You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. David forgot God's promises, and then he drifted away. He drifted away from God, and as the circumstances became too great for him to handle, he lost contact with God somehow. And he started to rely on the one person that got him in the most trouble. He started to rely on himself. He started to rely on his ability. And although David failed several times in several different ways, God had not left him. The Lord watched over David as he wandered away. The Lord watched as he fell into a great compromising situation. But God was at work. When a believer strays far from God into the world, God's plan and purpose remain true and steadfast. It's tragic when you forget God's promises and His work in your life. But as Pastor Dave will encourage you with today, He is still God and will complete in your life what He needs to accomplish His will for you. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 as he begins his message. Welcome back, David. Samuel 30. And as I was looking at 1 Samuel, and I was reading this chapter, it's a really, really interesting chapter, but the first eight verses are extremely powerful. The first eight verses of this chapter are extremely powerful, and I would like to take those as a block and look at them today in today's study. And I call this study, Welcome Back, David. So, um, we're going to read, let's read the first eight verses of 1 Samuel 30. I'll read aloud if you would like to follow along silently, please. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned by fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David said to the people who were with him, David and the people who were with him, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power to weep, no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ohinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired to the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, the Lord, answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So, the last time we saw David, 
Remember, he was betwixt and between. He was rejected by the Philistines. He was rejected by the Israelites. We said that he was a man without a country, and he seemed to be a man without God. Perhaps at this time in the young king's life, he was at an all-time low. All-time low. And although David had given up, God had not. God had not given up on David. God still had a mighty work for David to do. God still had a mighty purpose for David's life. God, who began the work in David, was going to be faithful to see that work to completion. David would know this eventually. David would realize this very shortly. Everything that transpired up until this point, and including this point, was all by divine plan. Nothing was an accident. God had had his hand upon David for quite some time now. If you remember correctly, as we looked at the uh, chapters of Samuel, 1 Samuel, God had called him out of the sheepfold. He had anointed him as king. He had empowered him by the Holy Spirit, and he told him he would never leave nor forsake him. And he was his chosen one. God promised he would be there all the time. But like a lot of us, sometimes David forgot God's promises. David forgot God's promises, and then he drifted away. He drifted away from God, and as the circumstances became too great for him to handle, he lost contact with God somehow. And he started to rely on the one person that got him in the most trouble. Started to rely on himself. Started to rely on his ability. And although David failed several times in several different ways, God had not left him. The Lord watched over David as he wandered away. The Lord watched as he fell into a great compromising situation. But God was at work. And all the time David was out there and out of the will of God, and every time David was in the wrong company, God was going through the paces and doing things that David would find out. God wasn't inactive. God was very active. God wasn't indifferent to David's plight. You look at 1 Chronicles 12, and you see that all the time this was happening, God was gathering men, valiant men, and he was sending them to David. He was sending them. And the scripture says in 22, at that time, day by day, there came to David to help him until it was a great host like the host of God. All these men were coming to God. God was working mightily in David's life. He didn't realize it. He didn't know it. But God was mightily at work. All the time that David was in his backslidden state, God was working on his behalf. Should give us some great confidence. Should give us some great confidence. It should give us great solace to think that we might be struggling with circumstances. And even when we drift into the world, and even when we might even begin to compromise, that the Lord is still in control. The Lord still is working on our behalf. He's working all things together for good for those that are other called according to his purpose. The Lord will never allow one of his own to lapse into ungodliness, which will divert him from his eternal plan. Remember what we've been saying all along? Nothing or no one can thwart the plan of God that he has for your life. No one. Nothing. These words should bring us comfort. 
These words should bring us encouragement. These words should bring us help, especially for those that we know or some of us who are very, very weak and maybe even right now in a helpless situation. Philistines thought they were in charge, thought they had disgraced David by sending him home, sending him back to Ziklag. But they were ignorant. They were ignorant to the fact that they became mere instruments that were used by God to bring David back to him. God will use whatever he needs to use to get you to come back. God will use anything and everything to get you to come back to him. God knew that in a matter of days, not weeks, not years, remember we had said it's been some 10 years or so, maybe even more, since David was anointed. God knew that only in a matter of days, remember that great big battle that the Philistines were preparing for in, in chapter 29 when they kicked David out? That's the battle which is going to make David king because in that battle, in chapter 30, Saul, Jonathan, and Saul's other son die. That's what God is working for. So God knew it was just a matter of days that David would be the one true king of Israel. He knew that. He knew the future. God sees everything. God sees down the pike. He sees the whole thing. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. God knew the time was at hand. And he knew he needed David to be in tune with him in order to make this happen. He knew it was time to bring David back. So in order to accomplish this, God had to have David discover his failures. He had to discover the fruits of his sin. And he needed David to recognize the consequences that came from it. The cost of David's misstep was great. It was very, very large. Look at 1 to 6a. We'll reread them. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. My goodness. David returns to his city, the city that was given to him by Achish, the king of Gath, the city that was given to him, and he found that it had been raided and burnt to the ground. They discovered that all the women and children were gone. All the women and children were taken away. So not only was the city burned, but all the women and children were taken away, including David's two wives. We love David Gusick. He's our Calvary Chapel theologian. Listen to what he says about this. Quote, there is a touch of Lord's poetic justice in all this. David brought this exact calamity on other cities. 1 Samuel 27, 8 and 11 says, During his time among the Philistines, David made his living as a bandit. Robbing cities and wherever David attacked and land, he neither left man or woman alive. The Amalekites were more merciful than David was. This is nothing more than a testament to God's mercy. David did not get what he deserved. When he attacked the city, he killed everybody. 
When the Amalekites attacked his city, they took the women and children. But this is an example of how great God's mercy is. God doesn't always discipline us and give us what we deserve. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. He is just like a compassionate father. Compassionate father who has to discipline his child. And he tempers his discipline because of the great love that he has for the child. He tempers it. This was too much for David and the men to bear, and they start to weep. They cry, and they cry, and they cry, and they wail, and they weep. I mean, it's one thing about the Jewish and people from Israel. They knew how to weep. And they wailed and cried until there was no more crying left. It's almost like they cried themselves out of tears. But the Lord had permitted that attack. The Lord had allowed that attack on Ziklag to encourage David to get away from the Philistines. He needed David out of enemy territory. And some of us are dabbling in enemy territory. Some of us are hanging out in enemy territory. And the Lord will do whatever he needs to do to get you out of enemy territory. He will bring you back. In verse 6 it reads that David was greatly distressed. And the verbiage here in the Hebrew means that David was pressed into a tight corner. David was hard pressed into a tight corner, kind of like what a potter does to a clay. He presses it and molds it and shapes it. David was pressed in this corner. God had cornered him. God had set him in a corner. All was lost. At this point, David had nothing to support him. No one in Israel was going to come to help him, he thought. The Philistines didn't want him. His family was gone. Everything he owned was gone, and his friends were turning against him. Imagine, if you will, David, standing in the middle of the ruins of this city that was once his, that had been burnt to the ground. He's looking around, and he knows that in his own self-will, his own compromise, his lying and his sin caused it. Standing around looking. I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for this. Scripture says his own people wanted to stone him. His own people wanted to cut him down and kill him for what he had allowed to happen. Was he thinking, how low can it get? Was he thinking, can anyone get any lower than this? Well, the answer to that is, yes, folks, someone did get lower than that, and his name was Jesus Christ. He got to the lowest of low when the father turned his head away and said, Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Nobody experienced the pain, and no one suffered like Jesus Christ suffered. David was at his youngest point, like I said. But at the end of verse 6, we see David's true heart come to light. Look at the end of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Oh, that's why I couldn't get much further than these scriptures. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This was backslidden David. This was wayward David. Why would God strengthen him? Why would God even look upon him? Because God is rich in mercy, and God is rich in grace. And because David was now completely broken, he was completely done, he was now void of anything, and he was ready to be filled. He was ready to be filled again, and that's what we have to do. And that's what has to happen to us. God has to devise us of everything. He has to take everything away sometimes so that we're then ready to be filled with him. 
He puts us in that corner where we can't do anything but cry out to him. We're all alone. Nobody loves us. Everybody hates us. We want to eat dirt. We want to eat worms. We're just sitting there all by ourselves. God puts us there so that we will cry out to him. David is completely broken. The realization of what he did hit him like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden it's like, I could have had a V8. Bing. All of a sudden, this realization comes on in his head. He was distressed beyond belief. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, probably the Holy Spirit, because remember, David was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. Somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit, remember God's promises. Remember God's love. Remember God's deliverances from past problems. Remember what God has told you and all the things God has promised you. Remember those things. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. Notice it didn't say David got up off his hands and knees, rolled up his sleeves and said, I can do this, Lord. No. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Imagine this, if you will. David looks up to God. His face is stained with his tears. They've been crying all night. They've been crying and wailing all night. His face is stained with his tears. He lifts up his voice and he cries out to God. Imagine when he feels the Lord's presence come upon him, when he is renewed. Now, the Lord has never left him. The Lord never forsook him because that's what the Lord said to him. But he didn't realize it. Imagine when he came to and knew that the Lord was there. His heart melts once within him and his heart just melts. And his weeping finally comes over in the very moment David's path of victory is clear. From that point, from the lowest point he could possibly be, victory was ahead of him. Because the victory belonged to God, not David. The victory belonged to Christ, not us. And we have that victory. And when you get in that place, look upon the cross. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. Welcome back, David. Welcome back. I've missed you. I can just imagine angels singing in heaven, rejoicing that one has returned. Angels saying glorious things because one has returned. Someone who was backslidden has come back. In this place, this is the place where God wants you at right now. An Old Testament with New Testament principles. If you truly desire for God to bring victory into your life, victory over that sin of addiction, victory over that sin of lust, victory over any sin imaginable, you need to stand with a broken heart in the midst of your ruined and selfish life and acknowledge the futility of your fighting against God. You need to stand there in God and say, okay, I did it, I'm wrong, I need to come back to you. You need to turn your eyes upon Jesus. You need to lift up your face, look at God, and say, Lord, it's you and you alone. Look to the cross. It's at this moment that God pulled David out of the muck and mire. He pulled him out into his marvelous light. This is the place where God can bring you today. A God where there's defeat of enemies. The victory has been won on the cross. The victory is won. Our enemies are defeated. The victory is there. The victory is ours. We are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. What does David do next? Oh, look at verse 7 and 8. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod there to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? 
And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. David required, inquires of the Lord, and the Lord graciously replies, Go get them, David. David would be victorious. David would be restored. Everything that he took and more would come to him, and he would be able to use it. So when all is lost, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And someplace, the only place you can encourage yourselves in the Lord when things are that bad. When things are that bad, David encouraged himself in the Lord, and that is a marvelous practice for us to do. It's a marvelous practice for us to look at, to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Something we ought to be doing in ourselves is encouraging ourselves. David answered his own questions in Psalm 45. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? David was distressed. He was downcast. He was falling apart at the seams. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? What's going on? Bingo. Answer, hope in God. Hope in God. God will deliver you. We need to ask ourselves, why am I so discouraged? Things befall us every single day. Things happen to us every single day. Nice things, bad things, in between things. All kinds of stuff happens to us every single day. I have to ask you a question. When something great happens to you, we're all ready to go, yeah, Lord, thank you. When something bad happens to you, we're always say, Lord, where are you? What has changed about God? Same God, different day. Same God. Same God? What's the matter, Lord? Where are you? What's the problem? We need to say ourselves, hope in God. Hope in God. He is our deliverer. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to tell each other, God is on the throne. God is in control. God is going to deliver you from this. I don't know how it's going to look like. Nobody knows how it's going to look like, but God does. And I believe that God's going to be victorious, because he has been victorious. Name a time when God has failed. Name one. Throw it out there. You can't, because God has never failed. He has never failed. Practice that we need to learn. Nothing is out of the hand of God. Nothing. He is always in control. A few of you today have seen the providential hand of God in your life. You've seen it. You were there, and you can attest to it. Praise God for that. A wonderful, wonderful testimony. Wonderful testimony. He is always working, even when you're sleeping, because our God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is always awake. And when we get back into that balance, when we get back in that proper perspective, the Lord lifts you up, lifts you up, and brings you into victory out of the purpose. But confusion can be a deadly thing. And it seems to reinforce itself against you. Where did confusion come from? The enemy. The enemy is the author of confusion. If you're fighting with yourself or have some confusion, it's not of God, ladies and gentlemen. It's of the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's of him. And don't try to rebuke him yourself. If you, you want to try that, go ahead. But you need to say, the Lord rebuke you. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High King. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m. along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope. Rescue